Good morning. Good morning. I like asking a question just so really I can tell you something. Uh, Michael, Michael, you had Michael Jackson in your head this week. Which song? Bad. That's bad, that. Um, uh, any other one? Like, anyone had a song stuck in their head, yeah? <laughs> Don't know it, but it sounds like a banger, yeah? Chicken. <laughs> oh, love that. Oh, fab. I want to hear all about your show at the end. That sounds so good. I just wanted to ask the question to tell you I've had the Hamilton soundtrack in my head all week because I watched Hamilton the musical this week. And if you're a musical fan or a Hamilton fan, I just want to talk to you at the end so I can sing all my songs with you. There's no link remotely to what the message is. I just wanted to tell you that about myself. So I'm glad that we've got that out of the way. Now we can begin. My name's Lois and I'm part of the team here at the Foundry. Welcome if you're watching us online today. You can sing whatever song is stuck in your head if you get bored of me at any point. These guys have to put up with me and listen. So you chose the right choice. Um, I am in part two of a little um, two weeks on talking about what is worship and why do we do it. So just to recap really quickly, last week was about worship and about the sung worship that we do, that we did this morning, which was fab. Like, aren't our worship team so fab? They're so good, aren't they? And like, what you often don't see is the hours that they put in behind the scenes to just like practice and to seek God and to just like grow in their gifting. And like, I'm grateful for them because they are fab. So we were talking last week about what that worship is. And worship is our reaction to God's action. When we stand and when we sing, it is all about like letting the overflow of our heart come out in songs and in music and in worship. We talked about the ways we can do it. Like Di said, we can wave a flag, we can dance, we can sing, we can clap, we can be loud and we can be quiet. And we do it simply to connect with God and to communicate with him. But I want you to imagine for a minute a world where singing is banned. Imagine a world where music is illegal, where no worship songs can ever be sung again. What a miserable world that would be. Do you think it would still be possible to worship God in a world where music doesn't exist? Amen. The answer is yes, because true worship is so much more than singing true worship is so much more than just dancing or lifting our hands to God and there's a verse that we're going to read in the bible that we're going to be pinned in today that we're going to keep coming back to and asking God so what is true worship what is pure proper worship this verse is from Romans chapter 12. So that's in the New Testament of the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, you're going to flick quite far through. And I would encourage you if you've got like a notepad or a Bible or or on your phone to jot this down and highlight it and just keep asking God, what are you speaking to me about through this verse today? Because we're going to keep highlighting this verse. So Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters. I'm just going to pause there. That's a bit strong, isn't it? Like, when do you ever go to someone, I urge you to make me a cup of tea. I urge you to listen. Very intense. And when it's intense, you think, he really wants me to listen. So, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And there are just a couple of words there that are highlighted that we're going to zoom in on today to try and understand what this true and proper worship is. And the first word that we're going to look at is actually the second highlighted word. It's the word sacrifice. Now that word is like not a word that we use often anymore. Maybe the last time, actually we used it before to talk about sacrificing our fashion. Uh, Sometimes I'll say I'll sacrifice a Kit Kat for another biscuit. But it's not really a word that actually we use in context in this day and age. But the word sacrifice is a word that was in the Bible quite a lot. In the King James Version of the Bible, it was mentioned over 200 times. And most of those times are in the Old Testament of the Bible. So that's before Jesus was born. And in the Old Testament of the Bible, the word sacrifice was mainly used to describe a religious religious, <laughs> religious ritual um, slaughter of animals as a way of like clearing your debts before God. So people would bring an animal to an altar and they would sacrifice it to God. Now, I'm not a vegetarian currently, but I still don't like the thought of bringing animals as a sacrifice to kill to God. So when I, in my head, link sacrifice with death, I look at this verse and I'm like, oh no, no, I've got to be a living sacrifice. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. But the truth is, is that the sacrifice, when it's talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, are quite different things because of a man called Jesus. You see, Jesus came and was our ultimate sacrifice. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 that says this. It says, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. So many times in the Old Testament, we hear of times when we had to bring um, something to an altar as a sacrifice to God to clear our debts or our sins. But Jesus has done that for us. Jesus died once for us so that we could know life and life to the full. Jesus died as a sacrifice to us to clear our debts so that we don't have to earn God's love. We don't have to fight for it. Jesus did it. Jesus was our ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. And when Jesus died for us, what he did was he flipped death to life. Jesus flipped death to life by sacrificing himself. So now God doesn't want our dead offering. He doesn't want us to bring something to him to earn his trust. God wants us alive and living. He wants our whole life. He wants our living, breathing body and everything we do and everything we are. He wants all of you. He wants your living sacrifice today. And I, for one, am grateful that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So we're going to look at that verse again and go back to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 if we can. Just to look at that other word, I'm going to read it again. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. So what does it mean 
to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, I'm going to need to draw on a song that will be stuck in your head by the end of today called The Hokey Cokey. You see, when it comes to offering our bodies to God, it's not that he wants our left leg in and our left leg out. It's that he wants the last verse. He wants our whole self in. Our whole self out. In, out, in, out, and shake it all about. God wants our whole self. He wants every part of us. He doesn't want us to hold a little bit of us back. He wants our whole self. You see, true worship, it isn't just about singing songs. It is about putting our whole self in to worship God. Now, to just illustrate this point, I'm going to need to draw on another well-known children's song. I don't know why I'm living vicariously through nursery rhymes. Maybe I need to talk to a counsellor about that one. But um, hopefully this will help it to stay with you. You know, and I also I'm going to need your help. Please don't leave me alone in this. If you know the actions and the words, please join in. You know the song, heads, knees and, knees and, heads. Great effort. Now, if you're not familiar with that song, maybe you didn't um, grow up with that nursery rhyme, you must be like, what is going on? I agree. Just bear with us. I need you to do a worship remix because we're going to flip the words to learn how we can worship God with our whole bodies. In this version of the song, it goes, we worship God with our mind, mouth, hands and heart, hands and heart, mind, mouth, hands and heart, hands and heart, and mind, and mouth, and hands and heart, mind, Mouth, hands and heart, hands and heart. That is hard. That is surprisingly hard. Okay, these are just four ways that we can offer our bodies as a way of worshipping God. Mind, mouth, hands and heart. Are you ready? Good. Let's go. Minds. First of all, we can worship God with our minds. Do you know, so much happens in this sphere here. Up here is where the thinking, the dreaming, the planning, the plotting, the scheming happens. So much happens in our minds. Now, I am someone who goes on a lot of thought trains. Does anybody else? Yeah, you're thinking one thing. Two minutes later, you are like way over there thinking about something else. And because that happens a lot, I kind of think to myself, do you know what? Um, I, I think my mind has a mind of its own. I can't be held responsible for anything my mind does. It's out of control. I cannot be held responsible at all. But we actually can determine the direction of our mind because we can choose to, we can choose what we allow in and what we allow out. And when we make good choices about what we allow in and what we allow out, we are determining the direction of our mind. You see, the Bible puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, which won't come up on the screen, and that's fine. It says this, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. We take captive every thought. What does that mean? It means when your mind goes somewhere that you think that maybe shouldn't have gone there, you take captive that thought and you say, whoa, sorry, God. I shouldn't have let that go there, but it did. I'm going to move away. 
and I'm going to think on you. We take captive the thoughts when our minds go to places it shouldn't. There's a measure um, that I think is a really helpful way to use to help to know if your mind has gone somewhere it shouldn't. And it's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, we worship, our, we worship God with our minds when we allow our minds to think thoughts that are true and pure and noble and lovely. It's like the most northern verse ever, that, isn't it? Lovely. Love that. We worship God with our mind when we prevent our thoughts from going somewhere that isn't pure and that isn't lovely and that isn't kind. We worship God with our minds when our thoughts and our plans and our decisions are praiseworthy, when they bring honour to God. We, th- we worship God with our minds when we carefully consider what we allow in, what voices will we allow to speak to us, and what we do with those thoughts. Will we take them captive and end them, or will we let those thoughts spiral? We can worship God with our minds when we think about things that are pure and noble and honourable and lovely. The next one in the song, let me remind myself, mind, mouth, hands up. Okay, so we worship God with our minds. Secondly, we worship God with our mouth. Now, does anyone in here enjoy reading? Any book lovers? Yeah, some bookworms. Some pro- oh, loads of, loads of us are bookworms. I quite like a good book. Sometimes like two lines in, I am asleep though. That's the only problem. You ever do that? It's a great way to put yourself to sleep. Um, I do quite like a book. Now, I want you to picture the scene. Imagine that every word you've spoken from the start of the year to today, where are we? The 28th, so 28 days of words. Imagine that those were all written in a book. Now picture the scene. You're gonna put the kettle on. You're gonna make yourself a brew. You're gonna sit on the sofa. You're gonna get your book out and you're gonna read the words that have come out of your mouth. I wonder if that would be a read that reads like someone who loves God. Would the story that your words tell, tell of an author who loves Jesus and who on a Sunday sings worship songs to God? I wonder whether the words that come out of your mouth will make a compassionate and compelling read. Because the words that come out of our mouth are a way that we can worship God, not just through singing, but through the way that we talk about each other and talk to each other as well. See, we worship God with our mouth when we are compassionate with how we disagree with each other. We worship God with our mouth when we speak with kindness. We worship God with our mouth when we like avoid certain words or phrases that don't honor God. And we worship God with our mouth when we bring joy to a conversation and not dread. Have you ever been with someone and you're like, wow, you have sucked every last bit of energy out of this conversation. I'm ready for a nap. Can I just get something off my chest? It annoys me when followers of Jesus are energy vampires. Because I'm like, if you love Jesus, you should be bringing joy to a conversation. And you shouldn't be someone who people just want to walk away from slowly. 
We should be bringing joy to the people we are with, the people we talk to, the people we engage with, because when we open our mouth, we speak in a way that worships God. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to always start a conversation with hallelujah and hosanna. Just means that we just have to speak with joy and kindness and understanding and grace. Because when we do that, we worship God with our mouths. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. So maybe as you go about your conversations this week, you might just want to say to God at the start of a meeting or before you meet a friend or at the start of your day, God, may my words please you today. And as you do that, I believe that God will help you to just worship him with the way that you speak because we worship God with our mouths. The third thing, mind, mouth, hands and heart, is that we worship God with our hands. Now, I want to tell you a story. This is a true story about a group of friends who were having dinner. They'd had some good food, had a good time. They were sat around a table, just kicking back, relaxing. And into this place where they had dinner walks a woman who you could tell kind of by the way she looked and she dressed that she didn't have much money. She didn't own very much. Um, and she walks over to someone who's at the dinner table. She's holding something in her hand and everyone's like, who is this woman? And what's she about to do and what's she got? And she presents this really expensive bottle of perfume. I'm talking Chanel. Well, that's like the nicest perfume I've ever smelled. Like whatever the most expensive, nice perfume is you've ever experienced, the nicest thing. She opens this bottle and she pours it on one of the guys who's just had dinner. And everyone at the table is like, sweetheart, you need that perfume more than he does. Like, what are you doing? Why have you just poured this really expensive bottle of perfume over someone when clearly you've got no money for yourself? You should have sprayed it on you. Why have you done this? And that woman was Mary, and the man that she poured it on was Jesus. I love this story because everyone looked around at Mary and thought, what are you doing? You need that perfume more than he does. Why have you wasted the thing that you have earned and you have grafted and you have worked for and saved for? Like, this was a precious thing that she's just poured all over Jesus. What I love that it shows about Mary is, in Mary's poverty, she gave Jesus her best and her all. She gave him everything she had. She didn't just like give him the scraps. Mary gave Jesus everything that she had. She saw what was in her hands. She saw the thing that she had worked hard for, she had earned for, she had been saving up for, and she went, what's mine is yours, God. You can have what's in my hands. Mary worshiped God with her hands because she lived with hands wide open. It reminds me of a verse in Proverbs, chapter three, verse nine, that says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Mary teaches me in that story that God deserves my best, not just my scraps. God deserves and wants for me to live with hands wide open, giving him everything I can and not holding back. And I just want you to ask yourself today, do you give God 
the best of what is in your hands? Do you give him the best of your produce? Do you give him the best of what you've saved and earned for? Or do you live with hands closed that gives God what might be left over of you? See, we worship God when we live with hands wide open, saying, God, you can have the best of me. You can have the best of what I've got to offer. I won't put you last and give you what's left. I will give you all of me. I will give you what you deserve, which is everything. So we worship God with our minds when we think about things that are pure and holy and lovely. We worship God with our mouths when we speak to each other with kindness and love and joy. We worship God with our hands when we are generous, giving to God what is already his. And lastly, we worship God with our hearts. We worship God with our hearts. You see, this in here is an engine room for our whole life. Our hearts should be what power our worship. And it might be that we look the part, that we sing all the songs, that we give generously, but that our hearts aren't powering our worship. So Jesus knew this would happen because in a verse in Matthew, chapter 15, verse 8, he said this. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And as we look at true worship today, how we can worship God with our mind and our mouth and our hands, we've got to understand that worship, first and foremost, starts here. Starts with a worshipful heart towards God. Now, have I got time for this story? Yeah. 2023 was a big year for me. Lots of change, lots of things happening. One of the things that happened, I just need a drink before I tell the story. One of the things that happened was that in like springtime, I went on a date. I know, I know. It gets better. One date turned into two dates, turned into three dates. And eight months later, he's still putting up with me. God love him. Are you cheering at him for putting up with me? Just to check. Yeah, 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 we'll have words later. And we were having so much fun dating and getting to know each other, um, eating lots of food. Apparently that's what you do when you start dating. Um, we were having a great time. And like a couple of months in, I suppose it got to the point where I was like, we're having loads of fun, but something is holding me back. And as I talked to a friend about this, she said, Lois, the walls of your heart are so high, the poor guy can't get in. So you're having fun and you're going through the motions, but you're not giving him room to get in your heart. And as I like, listened and was like, no, no, I think it's him, not me. Definitely not me. I realized that she was so right. And because of pain and because of uh, rejection and because of fear and because of stubbornness and so many things, over the years, I had built brick by brick by brick walls around my heart. And because of that, because of those walls, 
There was only so far in our relationship that we could go without really letting him in. And as I was thinking about this week, how we give our heart and worship to God, I thought to myself, I just wonder whether for some of us, we're going through the motions and we're doing the right thing and we're saying the right thing and we're serving and we're like turning up to church every week and we might be giving generously, but our heart has got a wall so high that God's like, I just want to get in. But those high walls aren't letting me in. And when we reached that crossroad in our relationship, we realized that there was work we needed to do to start dismantling those walls, brick by brick by brick. And it takes a whole lot of trust and a whole lot of patience on his behalf. But when you do it, it lets love in. And I really believe that today, someone knows that the walls of their heart are so high. And maybe you think like I did, that having walls that are high around your heart will protect you. Because that's what I thought it would do. I thought it would protect me and preserve me. But you know, all it did was restrict me and hold me back from the love of God being able to flow into my heart. And today, maybe you just want to ask yourself, am I going through the motions? Or is my heart in it? Maybe for you, there has been pain in your past. Maybe you've been let down by the church. Maybe Christians have hurt you. Maybe you feel like churches aren't like letting you live out your gifting. Maybe there is things that have happened. Maybe you've been through so much that you're like, God keeps forgetting me and neglecting me. And maybe because of that, brick by brick by brick, you've been building a wall around your heart. And maybe through that all, you've still somehow been able to come and worship God with your hands and with your songs and with your mouth and with your mind. But ultimately, He doesn't have your heart. I want to tell you today, God wants your heart. He so wants your heart. He loves you so much that He doesn't just want you to go through the motions. He wants our whole, whole life. And that starts in here. So I wonder if you would just consider giving God a brick, just one brick at a time and saying, God, it hurts. It's hard, but I want these walls to come down because I want you to have my heart. You know, when you truly learn to worship God from here, it flows through here, through here, and out of here. But it starts in here. Do you want to stand as we just prepare our hearts to worship God? And in this last song, there's an opportunity for you, like Di said, to get prayer with the team at the back of the room. And maybe in this moment, you know, you just need to give your heart back to God. The team will be there if you want to journey that with them. Or you can just say it right where you are. God, have my heart. Brick by brick, layer by layer, I give you my pain. I give you my stubbornness. I give you my fear. 
I give you the rejection. And God, have my heart. And maybe if that is you, just as a sign, you want to just lift your hands like before you, just between you and God, because we're going to close our eyes and get ready to sing. So God, I pray for everyone who is holding their hands out and who knows that today they want to knock brick by brick the walls of their heart. And today together we say, have our heart, have all of us, have our whole living, breathing bodies as a sacrifice of worship. Because we love you and we need you and we want our lives to be about worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.